0: Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Naomi, and this is Mosaic in Progress. Today, I want to talk about the friendliness of abusers and flying monkeys and projected guilt. I honestly can't remember where I first heard the term flying monkeys, but it was... While I was researching narcissistic abuse and during the period of time that I was essentially trying to reparent myself and figure out where the trauma was and what had happened, and flying monkeys is a term uh, that was coined from the Wizard of Oz movie with the flying monkeys and the Wicked Witch, and... They are, you know, in the movie, the book, they're the characters that help out the witch to carry out her evil deeds. So, as a psych-related term, it refers to those people who are not necessarily abusers themselves, but they support the abusers in gaslighting their victims in trying to shame or guilt the victims whenever they hold the abuser accountable, etc. And this has been on my mind a lot because I've been receiving a lot more flack than usual about my distance from my abusers, specifically my dad, and There's been a lot of people who have also been very supportive um, and, and, you know, speaking in very glowing terms about some other abusers that have entered my life um, sort of adjacently. And it got me thinking a lot about that aspect of abuse, you know, people think a lot about what an abuser does to their victim, but it's so much more than just the hitting or just the verbal abuse, talking down, or even the emotional abuse. There's an aspect of isolation that is so much more than just keeping people away from their victim. It's also making sure that the surrounding world thinks that the abuser is a very good person to the point that anyone will look at their victim calling them out as horrible and ungrateful and unreasonable. And one of the things that is very common with flying monkeys is that kind of tired trope that people like to say to adult children of abusers that, you know, they're still your parents, they tried their best, everyone makes mistakes, nobody's perfect, no one's a perfect parent, you know, we all have regrets in how we raised our children. And I think For the most part, these people are well-meaning. I think that there is this characteristic within humans that we really don't want to believe that people are as bad as abusers are. We don't want to believe that someone we know could be that bad. We don't want to accept that this very friendly person who had this, you know, glowing personality and seemed to have this very normal family... We don't want to accept that they were beating their wife and children behind closed doors. No one wants to think about that. No one wants to accept that as a possibility. And so there's, you know, this, we've all made mistakes. And they're thinking, well, I made mistakes with my kids because I was too strict. I really should have let them go to that party when they were 16 or I shouldn't have forced them to do swimming through middle school or whatever, and they're not thinking well, maybe I you know shouldn't have taken that tuba six and beaten my daughter with it until she could not breathe anymore, like it's not on the same level, and they don't want to believe that it could possibly be that bad. No one wants to envision that, and so it's so much easier. To blame the victim for being unreasonable and unrealistic and unloving and shame them for abandoning their parents than it is to believe that the person you saw and talked to every day or every week or however often that you saw all the time and spoke to all the time and had a good rapport with could be doing something so fucking monstrous. And it's easier to believe that someone is being unreasonable and refusing to get along with your friend than it is to believe that this person who you've known for years and years and years and who you thought was a good mother and a good wife and a good this and a good that and whatever is actually just a really selfish, mean person who tries to make everyone's lives miserable because she can't control them. It's... It is so hard for people to change their good opinion of someone. We don't want to believe people can be that bad. This is why people stay in bad relationships for so long. They want to believe that people are good. They want to believe things can work out. People don't want to accept the reality of pain. They don't want to accept the reality of anything that seems contrary to love and kindness and understanding and compassion and that is exactly what abuse of all kinds is it is everything contrary to that and people don't want to accept that that could possibly be someone they know they'll accept that someone they know could be abused because it's almost impossible to avoid that. But they don't want to accept that someone they know is an abuser. It's like the episode that where I talked about rape culture. Everyone knows somebody who's been raped. Nobody knows a rapist. Those statistics don't add up. You don't know your friends. And I think one of the biggest reasons that this happened is that abusers are not abusive to everyone. We have this idea of abusers is like this really angry person who's like, you know, knocking over aisles in Walmart or whatever and screaming in the car where everybody can see them. Why would anyone do that? Because abuse is not an anger issue. We have this very false belief that abuse is just about being too angry and not having control of your anger. And I've heard even people who are very intelligent and who I love very much describe abusers as just not having control of their anger. No. If you can control it in public, you do not have an anger control issue. And I no very few abusers who cannot control their anger in public they wait till they get home every one of them all the time with almost no exceptions they wait until no one's looking they wait until they won't get caught they wait until there is no one to help their victim it's not an anger issue it's not a control of your emotions issue it is violence for the purpose of control. Period. It's all it is. It's all it ever is. Violence for the purpose of control. And it's not always physical violence, it's verbal violence. Screaming and yelling is violence. But they're not like that in public. They're not like that to everyone. You couldn't control everyone around you. It'd be impossible. So for everyone else, they need to be seen as godlike. Look at me. Look at what a great dad I am. Look how well behaved my children are. Look how submissive my wife is. Look how well taken care of my family is look at how calm i am look at how peaceful i am look at how articulate i am look at how kind i am to others i'm just such a wonderful person wouldn't everyone want to be around me look how godly i am i'm a preacher leading the church look at what a great mom i am Look at how well I take care of my children and other people's children and take on children that aren't mine to bring them into my home because I'm so compassionate and kind and I just want to take care of everyone. Look at how sweet I am. Look at how much I care. Look at how well I fight for the rights of others. Everyone, just look at what a good person I am. I would never be abusive Because if the world sees them as this good, wonderful, kind, caring, loving, giving person, no one's going to believe you when you say, they hit me all the time. They yell at me all the time. They constantly put me down. They constantly try to control me. Tell me what to do. What to wear, where where to go, how to act, who I can hang out with. This constant control. I have no freedom. I'm scared of them. No one will believe you. It is very important to abusers for them to keep up a public persona of goodness. Because they all know that eventually they're going to lose their grip in some way or another because no one can put up with being treated like that forever and they want to make sure that everyone thinks that they're wonderful so that no one believes they're victims. And I've dealt with this so much since cutting my dad off. Said, everyone's like, you always seemed so happy. You know, as a kid, I'm like, where were you? Fool, you, I guess. I had to put on the mask. I literally got beat for not smiling enough. I had to put on the fucking mask. I had to pretend like I was okay. I had to pretend like I was safe. It wasn't safe for me to show that I wasn't. And this comes with an aspect of what I call projected guilt. Someone projects guilt onto you and you accept it. And it's really hard to not accept it. When you've already grown up being gaslit and emotionally abused and told you don't know what reality is. For a flying monkey to come in and be like, you're just a bad daughter. It's kind of like talked about in the last episode, accepting other people's version of reality. Or the reality that they hand to you, not your own perception of it. I've been told so much that I am a bad daughter, that I'm unloving, that I'm unforgiving, that and of course that you'll regret it when they're dead, that uh, people like to give, you know, when they're dead, you'll be sad, you're going to regret this when they're not here anymore, and... It's hard not to internalize that because it's almost the same trope that you were given by your abuser. And to not allow that to become your version of reality too, that you're a bad daughter and you're, you know, mean, you're evil, you're just causing people problems, you're unforgiving Whatever. It's hard to not accept that handed over guilt. It's honestly been one of the hardest things to fight against. Is that false version of reality that doesn't see the whole truth. And you kind of get to this point where you're just doing this you know, internal back and forth with yourself. Like, no, that's not real. That's not true. Let's go over the facts again. And it's so hard because your brain protects you in a way. It's so hard to not hear people say, well, it couldn't have been that bad and not believe it. Like, maybe it wasn't that bad. Maybe I'm being dramatic. Maybe I'm... Just, you know, being too sensitive. Maybe I was too sensitive. I've told my whole life I was too sensitive. Maybe that was true. Maybe I'm just too sensitive. And, And I think other people's reactions often help sometimes. Not that you should depend on other people's reactions. But when I first was breaking out of that abusive environment... And I started talking about things that happened. And I would tell things matter-of-factly, just as, you know, kind of a weird story, funny story, whatever. Just, you know, something that happened in my childhood. And I'm telling it matter-of-factly. And everyone who is listening to this story is just staring at me, eyes wide, mouth agape, and just horror. And it's like that meme that keeps going around, you know... One of the fun things about growing up with childhood abuse is telling a f- funny story from my childhood and just watching everyone stare at you in horror and then someone whisper, oh, I'm so sorry. That was my life for several years. And hell, I was like, you know, maybe maybe the stuff that I went through, maybe it was kind of bad. And, uh, maybe I should start talking to a therapist about this and i have made every therapist that i have ever seen cry (laughs) telling about the things that happened to me in my childhood um and it uh it's validating to see the horror on other people's faces or to see someone cry over what you went through like okay so that was bad. That wasn't just me like being dramatic and how I felt about it. That was actually a bad okay. It makes me feel a little better, a little a little validated there that I wasn't just being dramatic about it. And so when people are like it couldn't have been that bad I just wanna say, let me give you the highlights. Let me just give you the highlights. We're not even going to talk about the day-to-day mundane abuse. And it was. There was day-to-day mundane abuse. Verbal abuse. Emotional abuse. Gaslighting. Over nothing. Over the tiniest, smallest things. So that you had no control over your own reality. So that every single aspect of your life was decided for you. It was controlled. Even your own perception of what happened. And as I find myself looking back on some of the things it just blows my mind. I thought for such a long time that I was a horrible person and a horrible daughter. I was sure that I was going to hell, even though I had been baptized. There was no way that God was going to let me in, even though I had done all the things, because I just couldn't get through one day without doing something bad. And I look, <laughs> I look at the bad things that I did, and. I'm It's laughable, and it's heartbreaking and horrifying. I remember rewinding a VHS, showing my age there, uh, that we had rented from the video store, and the VCR was messing up, and it kept popping the tape back out. I'd pop it back in, try to rewind it again, pop it back out. Well, the tape got pulled out, ruined the VHS. And that was somehow my fault. And the yelling and beating over that lasted for about a day and a half. and the lecturing, so that was kind of his saying, it was just this constant, you know, yelling, and lecturing, and then he'd take a break, and tell you to go somewhere, bring you back out, more yelling, and lecturing, and questioning, always questioning, you know, why did you do this, what were you thinking, it was just like you were on trial, and I was told I was impatient and that I didn't care about other people and that I didn't care about other people's belongings. And a day and a half of just physical and emotional torture because the VCR messed up and destroyed a VHS tape. It wasn't even my fault. I was, I don't know, 12 at the time, maybe. Maybe, if that. Like, I knew so much about a VCR that I knew it would do that. (laughs) And I remember uh, after episodes like that where he would just get so violent that sometimes we would have to cancel doctor's appointments or dentist appointments or events we were going to, especially as we got really active in 4-H, and uh, if we didn't cancel him, you know, we'd have to make sure we wore clothes that covered whatever he had done and uh remember i would always just feel sick to my stomach i just always felt like i was nauseated and just sick and i'd be shaking and terrified to do anything i remember just feeling like i just wanted to curl up into a corner and not move for a long time and It was really hard for me to move and do anything after he'd get like that. So if we did go anywhere or go to something, I was always really jumpy and clumsy because I was shaking so much. Which, you know, usually got me made fun of. People would make fun of how clumsy I was or how jumpy I was, how easily startled I was. And no one had any clue what was going on. And I've talked to people since who knew us as kids. And there were some people who kind of suspected. No one had any idea how bad it was. But people kind of suspected some things. And I said, you know, things seemed off. We seemed weird. But nobody bothered to ask. Nobody bothered to check. And... It just goes back to people don't want to admit it. And as much as I feel like I wish someone had cared enough to step in, I don't feel bad at anyone for not. It's hard to know what to do in those situations because if you make a false accusation, well, you've just destroyed a friendship. You've isolated yourself from people you care about, and everyone wants to believe that they're wrong. So, how do you how do you move on from all that? How do you go forward? How do you how do you deal with being the bad guy? You know, we talked about few episodes back entering your villain era and this kind of ties into that if people want to think badly of you that is none of your business it really isn't let people think badly of you and there's an aspect where you know you worry all right well depending on who the people are and what your job is or what you know, projects you have that you're working on, you know, is this gonna affect that? Are these people thinking badly of me going to affect my life? And sometimes that answer is yes. Sometimes people villainizing you for standing up to your abuser is going to affect your life negatively. And there's not really anything you can do about it unfortunately if people want to think badly of you and if people don't want to hear the truth, don't want to understand the reality of the situation, there's not a lot you can do to convince them otherwise. And so maybe you won't get that job and maybe you won't get to play your music at that venue or showcase your art at that gallery, or sell your wares at that thrift store, or whatever. If people want to villainize you, they're going to. And this is a very unfortunate part of the reality for victims of abuse that doesn't have any kind of silver lining to it. That sometimes breaking away from your abusers and standing up in in your truth means that it's going to harm you financially and socially. I have certainly experienced that. And I know I'm not the only one who has. That doesn't mean that you're wrong. There's like... This kind of innate thing with victims of abuse that if the outcome is bad, that means you're wrong. Because that's life with an abuser. If they react badly, that means you did the wrong thing. And right and wrong becomes very subjective to their reaction. It's not what's really right or what's really wrong. It's what is safe and what is not. And when people react badly, it's not safe, which means it's wrong. And it's very difficult to form an objective perspective of reality that is not based on people's reactions. But you can do it. If I can do it, anybody can. That's what I say anyway. It's it's not easy. I'm never going to pretend like anything about living in or leaving or recovering from an abusive home is easy. Every bit of it is hard. Staying is hard. Leaving is hard. Staying stuck in that mentality is hard. Healing from it is hard. Nothing about it is easy. If you were born into an abusive home, you have been given a golden ticket for a difficult life. But, just because you have that ticket, Just because things may be harder for you than people who have not been through abuse doesn't mean you can't have a good life. Difficult doesn't mean bad. And maybe you are cut off from people who you need or you just thought you needed because you've stood up to your abuser. That doesn't mean there won't be other people who can help you. That doesn't mean that the window of opportunity is closed. That doesn't mean there aren't other doors that you can walk through. It does mean that you know who is trustworthy. That you know who is truly your friend. And truly on your side. Because, and I believe I've said this before in another podcast, that a friend of two people who will only accept one version, one side of the story without weighing both sides is not friend to the other person. If you can't look at both sides and weigh them objectively, you're not a friend to the person whose side you won't weigh. If you hear one person's side of the story and it's, this person was mean to me, and you immediately say there's no way that person was mean to you, you're not really a friend to that person. Honestly, not really a friend to either person because anybody who supports their friend in meanness or bullying or abuse and not even hearing out someone who says that they were bullied or abused by the person, that's supporting them. I have some very good friends in my life. And all of my very good friends know that I will call them out in a heartbeat if they are acting in a way that is not kind or not right. Because that's what a friend does. You don't let people hurt other people. You don't let your friends hurt themselves or hurt others. It's not a friendship. is transaction but it becomes very easy to feel like you're the bad guy when people are telling you that you're the bad guy for calling someone out and i've been the bad guy more than i could count for calling people out For their bullying or abusive ways. And sometimes I wonder if people think the same thing because of this podcast. I think it was Anne Lamott that said, you own everything that has ever happened to you. Tell your stories. If people wanted you to write warmly about them, they should have behaved better. And that is how I always feel when I talk about the things that have happened to me or how I have been treated. If people wanted to have a better reputation, if they wanted to be spoken well of, then they should have behaved better. And I... Don't think that it makes me the bad person for calling people out for being abusive parents or for stealing things or for cheating or anything else that I have called people out for doing that people don't like me talking about. Just because you want to keep someone in your mind as a good person Doesn't mean that I'm bad for destroying that image in your mind. And just because they had that image destroyed from the public eye. Also doesn't make me bad. They're the ones that did it. And what's funny is that no one ever tries to fully deny that these people have done the things that they've done. They try to minimize it, say it wasn't that bad, or being dramatic, or overreacting, or too sensitive, or not giving enough grace or forgiveness, but it's never that they didn't actually do the thing. They just don't like that People know that they did the thing. So. If you're someone who is. Surviving. Healing from. Abuse. If you've escaped your abuser. Or you're dealing with a bully. Or whatever. And you're dealing with that. Aspect of being guilted and shamed for speaking your truth and destroying the reputation of this fine, upstanding citizen. Just know that that version of reality does not have to be yours. You do not have to play into the delusions of an abuser. And you do not have to Except the guilt that their flying monkeys try to put on you. You own your story. You own your truth. And if people wanted to have a good reputation, they should have behaved better. I hope this has been beneficial for you. I hope you've gained something from it. If you have a suggestion for an episode topic, please email me at mosaicinprogress at gmail.com. Follow us on social media on Facebook and Instagram as Mosaic in Progress. And you can follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on pretty much every platform as Mosaic in Progress. I'd love your feedback. love it if you shared these episodes. And I will see you next week on the podcast as we both continue to work on our mosaic in progress.